0: So Good morning, everybody. My name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here at Simple Church. Thanks for coming out on a level one warning this morning. I appreciate you all. I, I hope your drive wasn't too treacherous. I almost, I almost got broke coming in this morning myself, making a left-hand turn in here. My van went whoo- like that, and I almost, I almost died. I was, was very close. <laughs> very close. Fortunately for me, I get here before anybody is awake in the city, and there was no cards on the road, so I was safe. I was sick. it was a good thing. So anyway, welcome to Simple Church. So glad you're here. And uh, like I said, today we are going to start on a brand new series called The Blessed Life. But before we do, I have some very, very exciting news. And that news is that in two weeks, not this Sunday, not next Sunday, but the following Sunday, that'll be March 16th, mark your calendars, folks, we are going to two services. Anybody excited about that? I'm excited about that. I believe that going to two services, because you all come to the 930 service, that uh, we will open up a whole new group of people that we will reach because they go, man, service is just way too early. That's just too early to get up out of bed. And, uh, and so the 11 o'clock service will be available for a whole new group of people. So tell your friends, tell your family members, tell them all. Two weeks, we are growing to two services. And we hope to pack this place out because I have some other exciting news that I announced to our partners last week. And they have begun to pray about it. But this week and last week, I've had two visits, two site visits, for a brand new building for us. So very exciting things coming up. Of course, there's lots of things we've got to do in order to get there. We're not going to build it, but there's just a new location. And, uh, and I don't want to spoil it yet because if it doesn't go through, I don't want you, you know, like thinking that's going to be the new location. We, but we are looking for one. And this one is very promising. Very, very promising. So keep that in your prayers, please. There are quite a few things, like I said, to overcome. It's the details uh, would, be, would be polarizing for you because they are for me. I'm like, oh God, how are we going to do this? But it's going to be awesome, amen? It's going to be a great thing. And it's, it's, it's an exciting time to be part of a church that is growing, right? And so here's what I have to ask for you. Since we are growing to two services, here's my request. We need to help bridge that gap. Because currently we have enough volunteers to cover one service. If you're not plugged in anywhere and you haven't served anywhere, if this is your church, if you call Simple Church your church, we are asking you to please connect. Please get involved somewhere. If you already serve and maybe you could help like be a service host. The service host gets to sit in the service and be part of the service. You really wouldn't miss anything. But we also have Need for children's workers. We also have need for media team. That means you're controlling all this stuff up there. Oh, that's awesome! That's the first time I've seen that. That's hilarious. That's awesome. New and improved. Brand new. There it is. <laughs> Services. All right. Sorry. Uh, and so, but we are growing. So we we would ask that you would please get involved for the next at least three months. We we would love to ask you for that uh, f- from March until June, if you could plug in and serve somewhere. Bridge that gap, maybe serve in two areas, if it's, if it's at all possible for you, um, until we get new people in here for that second service, and then we get them through, uh, through our process, our connect process, and get them involved, and they will fill those gaps. We believe that they'll do that, okay? So we are asking you if you are available to plug in. So the way you do that, the best way to do that is on your connection cards. On the back, it says... I would like more information about getting involved. And if you put your email address there, I'll send you an email and you can tell me where you think you'd like to be involved and I will get you plugged in with the appropriate coordinator from there, okay? So if you grab your connection cards and do that now, I'm asking for that now, because in a moment, well, you'll see why in just a moment. So, if you want to, if you feel like you can get involved, maybe serve, or if you're already serving one place and you'd like to serve another place, uh, as in addition to what you're already doing, we would love that for the next three months. So, just mark on there and let us know. Um, but it's so exciting; we are bridging the gap for more life change, and that's what we're about here in this community. So. Uh, So this week, again, the series is based on a book. This is called The Blessed Life, all right? Now, this single book right here changed my life, and yes, we're going to talk about money, but I don't want you to get uptight about that. I I know that that some of you have been in churches, or maybe you've seen on TV TV where there are are pastors or preachers who have abused the idea of money. They have abused it, and and for you, it's hurt you. So on on behalf of of God on behalf of Jesus, let me first say to you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you have been somebody who has been abused by that or if you have suffered pain because of that. Because... They preach this, this this wealth mentality that everybody is supposed to be millionaires, but I'm going to be honest with you and tell you that I don't believe that everybody is supposed to be a millionaire. Some of us can't handle the little bit of money we got, right? The little bit of money we've got, and we're already in a mess. If we got more, we'd just be in a bigger mess, amen? So I don't believe that all of us are necessarily supposed to be millionaires. I believe, though, that God wants us to be blessed, and he will bless you through your faith. He will bless you through your giving. He will bless you through your generosity, and that's what this is all about. We're, we're more talking about the blessed life through that. And so I believe that this series will be one of the single greatest components or agents of change, of life change in this church if you allow it to challenge your heart. So I'd ask you to go in with an open mind, an open heart, and listen to it. You say, well, you you want to talk about tithing, aren't you? Listen, maybe. A little bit, but just settle down, okay? Just settle down, all right? So it's uh, for me, talking about money is like one of the hardest things to do, right? It's like talking about somebody's child or the way that they parent their children, right? It's like, oh, no, you really should do this. Like we were doing that in, in the Shepherding a Child's Heart on Thursday nights, and we're talking about it, and you can tell everybody kind of steps on eggshells a little bit because talking about how you rear your child or you raise your child, child is a very, very personal thing. And talking about your money is a very personal thing as well. So for me, I, I'm, I, it's, it's kind of hard to talk about it. But as we take a look at the Bible and we look at what Jesus had to say about money, many of you are going to move to a different level spiritually. Okay. And, um, and so, and if you look at the, the disciples, you know, the disciples were not high rollers, by the way, the, the original disciples, disciples of Jesus. These guys, uh, we know they had money because they had somebody that, that collected the money and somebody that watched the money, right? We know that they did, but, but they weren't high rollers, uh, but God supplied everything they needed and they were blessed, so... Uh, and, and, you know, I'm a, little, I'm a little scared to talk about money, too, because I, my background is I came from one of those churches. I came from one of those churches where money was talked about every service multiple times during the service. And so for me, there's some trepidation in my heart about sharing this because I don't want you to think that I look at you like a dollar sign because I don't. In fact, because I don't, I'm going to do something strange. I'm going to take the offering right now. Because a lot of times these preachers that are looking at you like a dollar sign will have an emotional hook for the entire service and then they pass the bucket. And you give emotionally or you give because you feel like that's what you have to do. So before I even talk about money today and before I, the next three weeks when we do this, I'm going to pass the buckets at the beginning. So our service hosts are going to come forward right now. They're just going to go ahead and pass the buckets now. I know this is early for those of you that are are, uh, are are used to doing it at the end of service, but this is our time to give, our tithes and offering. If you have that, uh, if you're a first-time guest with, here, with us here, Please, just drop in your connection card. Feel no obligation to give. But this is a time for those who are committed to give and, and that understand the blessed life already are going to do that. So we'll just do that and give them just a moment. I wish I had a song prepared for you or a dance or something entertaining while they did this, but we're just going to let it be dead air for just a moment. <laughs> if you guys can deal with that. Yes? <laughs> oh, there was some sound. There was some sound. <laughs> you guys are awesome. I love my sound, guys. Give it up for our worship team. Aren't they just amazing this morning? They're great. I love these guys. I love it. They're, they're so good. So good. All right, there you go. See, that filled the time. So, all right. So, I'm a little scared to, to, to talk on money uh, and, and to preach on this because... Uh, because of our past, because of all of your individual experiences. But we're going to get through that, amen? Well, I'm not going to let fear keep me from sharing what I believe will change your life. And so money has a spiritual tie. Jesus talked more about money than he did anything else. In fact, there are multiple scriptures on prayer and, and a lot of different subjects, but there are 2,000 verses on money in the Bible. That's the truth. And why? Because for most people... It's become their God. And money is the number one contender for that place on our hearts, right? That's the throne of our hearts. And money can be used to change the world or make it a better place, but it can also uh, grab a hold of the hearts of the people and cause us to do some crazy things, Right? Uh, and so today we're going to get into the verses or into the Bible. We're going to be in Luke. If you need a Bible, we would love to bless you with a Bible to give you one. If you'll just put up your hand, that's all it will cost you. We'll put you a Bible in your hand and you can take that home. That'll be your Bible forever and ever. But we are going to be in Luke 16. I'll also put it up here on the screen and it's 16:9 through 15. And this is, this is going to be a good chunk of verse. But there's a couple things in it that I want to point out to you. Okay. All right. It says, uh, and I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, Who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard all of these things, and they derided him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts, for what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That verse, that section of verse is full of so much stuff. But I know what you're thinking. What in the world is mammon, right? (laughs) You read that verse, some of you heard it, and you just kind of said, oh, he's going he's to continue reading, I need to pay attention, and you just kind of let it go. So let, let's stop on what mammon is real quick, okay? Let's go back to it. So mammon is an Aramaic word, which means riches, right? And this word in particular comes from the Syrian god of riches, okay? Now let's follow it back even further. Where's the Syrians from? The Syrians are from Babylon. Babylon... Uh, the word Babylon means sown in confusion. This is what happened. This city was a result of the Tower of Babel. Do you guys know, remember this in Genesis? So guys are building a building and they've, they've exalted themselves in their heart. They are arrogant. They are prideful. And they said, we don't need God. We can do this all by ourselves. We'll build a tower up to heaven. And that's exactly what they were doing. So God confused their languages. And so it became known as the Tower of Babel, right? And, uh, and so the Syrian god of riches came from Babylon. So let's just following the history mammon is a prideful arrogant spirit that says you don't need god that's what it is so when we can put that definition back into those verses and read it again it'll start to make sense and and it's what money pulls out of our hearts right that's what mammon is so i've i've seen people come uh come up upon a large sum of money and initially they're very generous with it right and, uh, and because that's what was in their hearts. It's like before they got the money, they were generous people. And you know people that when they get a lot of money, if they were greedy before they got a lot of money, they're greedy afterwards, right? And so, uh, but but money has a tendency to pull greed or pride or jealousy or selfishness out of our hearts. And mammon is just the spirit that is behind it, okay? It's not the money. See, money is just a piece of paper or it's just a piece of metal. It's just a thing. This thing is not evil at all. Money in itself isn't bad. Money is neutral. Money is just a tool. And this is a Morgan silver dollar. Derek would tell you how much that's worth. I have no idea how much that's worth. Derek, where, where are you, buddy? Oh, it's immaterial. It doesn't matter. But that's, that's a, that's a Morgan silver. This is just a thing, right? This itself is not evil. Having this in my pocket does not make me a bad man. Right? Probably makes, maybe you think it makes me a smart man or maybe a weird man. I'm not sure what you think of me, but it doesn't, this does not make me evil. It's neutral. And the Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all, uh, uh, the Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says that the love of money is the root of many evils, right? First Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many grief, with many griefs in other words greed covetousness and selfishness are the roots of evil and money can be used for good or bad it can be used for temporal purposes or it can be used for eternal purposes right but countless numbers of people have died for this they have suffered atrocities for this and have been tortured for this money causes us to do crazy things doesn't it and it's not really the money it's the love of money It's the spirit of mammon that is capable of leading us to do things that are dangerous, right? So when money becomes your God, or when you love money, that means you're placing money in a place where God should be, right? That is the spirit of mammon. And money has a tendency to reveal your heart. Uh, Let's see this. I think all of you may have experienced this on some level, or maybe you have friends that have experienced this. When someone passes... All of their belongings and their assets get divided, right? And what happens to the family members? (laughs) There's a fight. There's a fight. Because if you were greedy when you had little, you'll be greedy when there's much to gain, right? And so what happens is people grab a a pad of post-it notes and they write their name on it and they start walking through the house and they start slapping it on things. That's mine, mine, mine. They start to sound like a bunch of seagulls, right? Mine, mine, mine. And then at some point in time, there's going to come a place where there's two post-it notes on the same item, and they both want it, right? And there's going to be a fight. The family is going to be torn, and it's a horrible thing in the wake of a tragedy of a loss of a person to have the family bickering and fighting over something like stuff. But when greed has grabbed your heart, when money is your God, when stuff is your God, that's exactly what you will do is fight over them. So it's all about your heart. This life is all about the battle for your hearts. We did a series a few months back called The Gods at War. Is that me? Is it me? I'm out. I'm gone. Can you guys still hear me okay? Still me? Sorry about that. So it's all about your heart. Uh, (laughs) Let me get back in my notes and pick up where I am. Money is one of the greatest contenders for our heart. The problem comes in when we haven't submitted... Our money to God because all money comes with a blessing or a cursing. Right? Money is either a great servant, but it is a horrible master. Right? If you have been a good steward, or if you had stewarded your money well, then uh, then and you steward your your, the little bit of finances that you've gotten, the money can be a great servant. You can do great things with it. Right? You can be very generous with it if you have intentionally budgeted your money and placed it where it needs to be towards your savings towards your bills whatever that may be if you steward your money well then it is a servant for you however if oh is it that oh you're gonna give it to me thank you, Can you guys hear me okay all right <clears throat> but if you haven't stewarded well like you're in huge debt then you are a slave or you are a servant to money right some of you know this feeling. Some of you have, maybe are currently in a lot of debt. And you worry, you stress about being able to pay that bill. You stress about having the money. Some of you have more weak than you have money, right? And so you stress about that. How am I going to pay? You are a servant. You are a slave to money. And you are serving it. And that's a horrible place to be. That, is a, that brings fear. That brings anxiety. It brings stress. And it brings pain. And money is a spiritual thermometer, right? I would say that money is one of the last areas that people truly trust God with, right? We trust God with our eternity. We trust him with our families, but we have a difficult time trusting God with our money. And so money is one of those great revealers. It reveals where our hearts is, that my money proves who or what has my heart. The Bible says that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, right? So if you want me to show you where your heart is, let me see your checkbook. Let me see it. Where you spend your money or where you spend your time. Let me look at your calendar. That is what you love. That is, that is where your heart is, right? So uh, I, I don't know if you guys have kids or maybe you're adults and you play video games. Uh, but there is a game called Minecraft. Does anybody know what this is? <laughs> Nobody. A few people know what this is. I, we call it Minecraft in my house uh, because... It is, it is. this. If you don't know what it is, let me just briefly tell you. It is a virtual world, and it's on most tablets, it's on iPads, it's on iPhones. And what's cool about it is, is when you're connected to a Wi-Fi connection, people can join your world. And in this world, you must craft tools. You, you have to cut down trees and craft them into sticks, and then you have to cut up rock and craft that into a, a pickaxe, and then you can dig, dig deep into the ground. And so these kids spend hours, and maybe adults too, Spend hours building castles and spending time there. It is a virtual world, right? And as you dig deeper into the rock in Minecraft, you discover there's gold. And you'll work for a long time before you will find gold or before you will find diamond or, the, or iron, and these precious things, right? And in this world, even though it's not real they spend spent all their time in it, and these kids begin to be very greedy with the diamond that they have. All of a sudden, you're all playing on the same world, and you all see each other, and somebody finds diamond. Uh-oh. Where'd they go? They disappear, and they run off to some rock that nobody's been to yet, and they carve themselves out a little cave, and they build a little treasure chest, and they put all their diamonds in that treasure chest, and then they build it back up, and they hide it. They hide it. They're greedy with it. They're like, I'm not going to share this. They don't even tell you. Most of the time, they don't even tell you that they found diamond. They don't want you to know. They don't want you to follow them. They are greedy. And money does that to us, doesn't it? It reveals our hearts. If you're a generous person in Minecraft, if you find diamond, you're like, hey, I just found diamond. You guys need diamond? I'll share diamond with you. Because diamond makes the best pickaxes. It makes the best swords. It makes the best armor. Am I showing too much of my nerd? (laughs) Yes, I lose hours playing this game, but with my children, it's so much fun. And they love that I play it. But but my kids start arguing. They start yelling. If you start burning down some of their stuff that costs them literally no money but the money in the game, if, you start, if, some, if a tree catches on fire and you are the one who has set the fire, there is like fistfights. Money is a revealer of what's in your heart, whether it's real or not, whether it's the imagined kind. In Minecraft, and of course, you know, we have to separate the kids and take their tablets from them. It's a silly thing. You know, it's not even real. And they're already understanding what money can do, it's already revealing something in them. So, it's maybe something to talk about on Thursday night with all you parents that are with us hanging out. Woohoo! But money reveals your heart. And here's how you can tell if you wrestle with the spirit of mammon, okay? You have fear or anxiety over money you worry about it. Money promises you everything, but it delivers nothing. It promises you only what God can give you, right? Money promises security. Money promises significance, independence, power, freedom. All of life's answers, right, are supposed to be found in money. But friends, let me tell you something. It's not found in money. All of those things are only found in in God, it is a great deceiver, deceiver. I was talking to a couple last night, and she was telling me she cares for this man who used to make a lot of money uh, every year, like thousands of dollars a year, right? Just by himself. And he lost the use of his legs, and so he could no longer work. And now he's making, I think, 1,800 dollars a month, maybe 1,500 dollars a month. It's not near what he made, but this man, she's telling me, is miserable. He's absolutely miserable because he's placed all of his trust and his hope in his finances and his ability to make money. He's looked for his security there, and when that was ripped out from underneath of him, he had nothing, and he's miserable. He's in a sad state because he placed his hope there. Money promises to deliver much, but it doesn't deliver anything. It is false. And so we start thinking that our problems can be solved by having more money, and then money slowly creeps into becoming our God, right? Right? And it can happen slowly. Most of the time, it does happen slowly. Most of us have been Christ followers for many years, and yet money has still crept in and become your God, and you don't even know it yet. You don't even know it. And so mammon is greed, It's selfishness, it's lying, it's a deception that money causes in us. And again, money is not the point. It has never been the point. I know I'm saying money a lot today, but money is not the point. It's all about our hearts. As you read through the Gospels and as you see Jesus addressing people, Jesus is constantly addressing the condition of the heart. Always. Even when he healed people, go and sin no more. He's dealing with the condition of their hearts. This is a heart issue. And so does God God really need your money? Nope. No, he doesn't. You say, oh, preacher, you can't say that. Yes, I can. I don't care if you give a dollar to the church because God doesn't need your money. Right? Not, not on a basis of God needs it. I want you to be generous. I want you to be able to give. And you should support the work of the Lord and what he's doing. But I don't want you to give because you feel like God needs your money. He doesn't. But who is your master? See, money talks to us, right? You ever heard that phrase, money talks? Money talks. Mammon says to you that the right clothes or the right car or the right house or the right job will get you accepted by the right people, right? Right? It's that spirit that says, if you had more money, people would listen to you. Or if you had more money, it would solve your problems. You'd be happier. Your marriage would be better. Or if you had more money, your life would be better. But Jesus never told anybody that the answer to any of your problems was money. And here's the big one. If I had more money, I could help people. Well, that's not true. That's not true at all. In in Luke, we just read it. Luke 16.10. Put it back up on the screen for me. Luke 16.10. It says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. What does that mean? That means that if you aren't giving now, you're not going to give when you've got more. That's what that's, read that again. Faithful in what is least will be faithful in much. So when things increase for you, if you had more money, you'd give or you'd help. No, you wouldn't. That's a lie you tell yourself. It makes It sounds really good, doesn't it? sounds great that's why i'm chasing more money because i want to help people that's not true it's not true but we all have something that we're supposed to be faithful in so for some of us we've agreed we're going to be faithful in our tithe what is a tithe if you, if you don't know what tithing is it's a, it's an old testament principle set up that is 10 percent of your gross income it is like We are giving God first, and we'll talk about more of that in weeks to come so that we understand what that is and why that is. But if you've committed to be faithful in that, you've committed to be faithful in offerings that is above the tithe, or giving to missionaries, or giving to heart to your food pantry, or giving to others, or giving when those needs arise. If you've committed to being faithful in that when you have little, then when you have much, you'll be even more faithful to it, right? The byproduct of of doing that, my wife and I have committed to a certain thing. The byproduct of doing that is, is that after we began giving, our income may have stayed the same. And oftentimes it lowered because I was in business uh, before I was a businessman and, and made way more money than I make now as a pastor. And even though my income has continually gone down, I don't understand it, but this is my personal story. I don't understand how my income has gone down as drastically as it has. And yet we've been able to continue to pay our bills. We've been able to continue to give. We've been able to continue to bless people. How does that work? How how are we still able to not only pay our bills, but pay off debt at the same time? Only in God's economy. My wife and I believe that God can do more with what what we are able to keep, that percentage, whether it's 90 or 80, percent, whatever that percentage is that you keep. We believe that God can do more with that amount that we keep than she and I can do by ourselves if we kept that 100%. Think about that for a second. God can do more with a little than we can if we kept 100%. And so we've been faithful to that, and we don't even understand it. We look at each other and say, how do we have more money at the end of the month? And sometimes we have just enough. But how does that work when the, when, you know, the column that says money that's coming in goes down, and yet the bills stay the same, or maybe even increase at times? How does that work? Only in God's economy, right? It's a cool thing. But if we didn't give then, then we wouldn't be giving now in our lives when things will increase. So what you do with little reveals what you will do with more. If we think that most of our problems could be solved, if we had more money, then we've been influenced by mammon. We've been deceived. And Jesus is not telling us to hate money. That's silly. He's saying that we have to guard against the greed, against the selfishness, against the lies, and the deception that can operate through money. The Pharisees that were listening during this time, during these verses, they hated what Jesus was saying because they loved and served mammon. That pricked them right in their hearts. It hit home. And money was revealing their heart right in front of everybody. And so what does mammon reveal about your heart? God and mammon are always talking to us, and every time my wife and I pray about giving, you know, we just had those missionaries here, and, and she and I began to have a conversation about we need to support them monthly. How much do we do? And, and as we begin to do that, I'm secretly, and I, I actually haven't confessed this to her, but I, I'm going to confess this to you and to her because she's here, that as we're thinking about, all right, how do we support them monthly? How do we do this in addition to what we're already giving? How do we budget, right? I'm sitting there going, good God, if I... If I, if I give to them, then I may not have. Like, if I, if I make sure that their needs are met in a way that we can do it, then I start worrying. I'm going, well, how am I going to be able to go to Chipotle when I want to? Or how am I going to, you know, be able to swing through McDonald's in the morning? Or do whatever, whatever it is that I want to do? Or rent a movie on my Apple TV? How am I going to do those things? And I start to worry that I won't have. I'm just being honest with you. But I know in my heart that giving releases something different in me. It takes me to another level of faith. It takes me deeper with God. And so uh, I want to say this to you. And for those of you that tweet, that like to tweet, this is tweetable. You ready for it? If you want to get out your devices, I will wait. Or maybe you just got your pens and you'll write it down. But money that leaves your hand doesn't necessarily leave your life. Think about that for a second. Money that leaves your hand, that you give, that you bless other people with. It doesn't leave your life. It always has a way of coming back to you right in some form of a blessing somewhere and so just think about that maybe tweet it tag Simple Church it's at Simple Church O H by the way I'm losing my pack and so mammon likes to manifest itself in one of two ways that is through pride or poverty and the spirit of poverty is a mentality that causes you to be ashamed of the blessings of God anybody know what I'm talking about it's, uh, here, here's the spirit of poverty if you're ready for it Hey Amy, that's a really nice top. I really like that. And Amy responds, Oh, this old thing? I I got this for five dollars at the thrift store. Popping tags, yo. <laughs> My people are out there. I love you. <laughs> but she goes, Oh, this thing? And and maybe it's a hundred dollar, you know, cashmere, or I don't even know how much cashmere is, but however much it is. Maybe it's something really nice, something fancy, something she should have paid a lot of money for, it, but she got it for ninety nine cents right? And she goes, oh, I got, I got this for 99 cents. That's a spirit of poverty that we can't just accept that. We have to let people know, well, I didn't spend a lot of money on it. Don't think I have a lot of money. Don't think I'm, I, I spend this kind of money on myself. It's like we want to hide it, right? I've got the same problem. I, I told my wife multiple times when we moved into our house, I said, I don't want a big house like this. You know, I, let's go for a 1600 square foot. That's all we need. That's all we need. And instead, we got a 2,400-square-foot house. I'm like, we don't need all this space. We have two rooms that we don't even use in the front area. They're sitting areas. They're decorated. We don't, nobody even goes in them. Why do we need this space? People are going to come here and think we are rich. I don't want that. Like, I was hiding it. Is this true? Have, we have these conversations? I'm like, I, don't, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. But, but she said, you know what? God knows that we're going to use those rooms to bless people. And that's what we do. We open our home to community or to uh, grow groups. Excuse me. And um, we open, we open our, our guest bedroom to missionaries and to anybody that needs a place to stay. And so God has blessed us. But I, I want to hide that, right? I've got that spirit of poverty that says that I should be ashamed of what God has given me, right? And, and, and that's silly. I mean, it, imagine this. Imagine, Daniel, that you give your daughter a gift. And then your daughter feels the need. She's going, huh? Are you giving me something? I saw her. She whipped her head around fast. Dad's giving me a gift. But imagine you give her a gift. And then she feels the need to explain away that gift. Isn't that silly? A blessing that, that was given to her, she has to explain why dad gave it to her because she's ashamed of it. And so when someone would compliment my house, I'd go, oh, yeah, you, know, you know, I didn't really want this place. I wanted something smaller. Like I was hiding behind it. But I've learned that when God, comp- or when, when God compliments me, when somebody compliments me, when somebody says, hey, your house is beautiful, I say, thanks. We're really blessed. I had to repent of a spirit of poverty because Mammon says that if it can't get you arrogant and prideful and feeling like you don't need God, it wants you to be ashamed of the blessing of God in your life, right? And so it puts this spirit of poverty on you, and I had to repent. And so now, when somebody compliments me, and I have like, you know, a re- uh, an expensive item, I have a beautiful guitar that my father-in-law gave me, and so when somebody says, oh, that's a nice guitar, I said, yeah, I don't deserve this guitar. Those were the words that I said. I don't deserve this guitar. My father-in-law gave it to me. It's expensive. He's just very generous. And instead, I just say, I know, isn't it beautiful? I'm just blessed. My father-in-law is a great man, and he blessed me with it. That's different. It's, it's putting the blessing of God on our lives out there and letting people see it. So the spirit of mammon will, will, or the, the mammon will ha- let you have a spirit of poverty, and you've got to shake that off. You've got to repent of that. And so do you wrestle with the spirit of poverty? the other way mammon manifests itself is through the spirit of pride. Pride says, I've earned this stuff, right? It says that I have more, I have newer, I have shinier, or I'm better than you. Or because I have it, I am better than you. I'm more important than you. Pride causes us to look down on others because of our stuff, right? Look at my bank account. Look at the car that I drive. And we, we wear that as a badge. We're proud of it. We're arrogant. We flaunt it. And so that's what mammon does to us. It gives us the spirit of pride. Pride will cause you. This is how you know that you're struggling with it, right? Pride will cause you to look at what somebody else has and go, I got to keep up with them. I got to get the newest iPhone. Sorry, Ray. I got to get the newest. I got to get the newest car. I got to have a bigger house. I got to have a bigger TV. I've got to have nicer clothes. The new Abercrombie line is out. I got to have that. I got to have, I mean... I got to keep up. I got to have new. I got to upgrade. Do you get the new 7.0? No, I don't have it. I've got 6.1. Oh, you better upgrade, man. I mean, you just, it's that constant drive. If you're struggling with keeping up, you probably are dealing with the spirit of pride, right? The spirit of pride doesn't allow you to celebrate with somebody when they get something that's nicer than you. If you ever see somebody get something nice or they're blessed and you can't go, man, that's awesome. You're, that's an amazing blessing in your life. If you can't celebrate with somebody... And all you're thinking about is, oh, well, I got to get one of those. Or why do they have it and I don't have it? It's not fair. You are dealing with a spirit of pride. And you need to repent. You get the opportunity to repent. Right? And not allow that to own you, to push you down anymore and to be your master. But both pride and poverty take our eyes off of God. And place them on stuff. We start looking at our stuff. And God doesn't care if we have stuff. He cares if stuff has us. I mean, as a parent, I don't care if my kids are blessed. I want to bless my children. I don't care if they earn money or if somebody gives them things. I don't care about that. What I care about is, what will they do with that stuff? Will they be generous? Are they going to run and hide their Minecraft jewels? Or are they going to share them? Like, I'm just getting down on my kids' level. That's what I care about. I care about what they do with their stuff. How they treat their stuff. Does their stuff own them? Or do they own their stuff? Are they master? And so this whole series, it's not about money. It's about your heart. What owns you? Are you master or are you servant? Money reveals your heart. And I want to just take a moment. I want to pray. I want to ask that everybody would bow their head and close their eyes and I just have a a question for you a few questions what is your money saying about you what is mammon revealing in your heart and what is God speaking to you about today money it's, it's just neutral it's just paper it's just metal but it's also a great revealer in what we value And it reveals the deep hidden things of our hearts. So what is money revealing in your heart today? As we've talked about it, have you been uncomfortable at any point in time? As I talked about that spirit of poverty, are you hearing yourself in there? Are you hearing the very words that I said that I'm guilty of myself? Are you hearing those in your verbiage, in your conversations? That's a spirit of poverty And you need to let the blessed life, if you are living a blessed life because God has blessed you, you need to let that light shine. That's a beautiful thing that will draw people to God. Or if you're dealing with a spirit of pride, you're jealous, you're angry, or you're resentful when people are blessed, you can deal with that today. You can say, you know, I didn't didn't even mean to be here. I didn't mean to have money elevated to my God. I didn't mean to place my faith and my hope and my trust in it. Jesus, I need you to be my cornerstone. I need you to be my foundation. I need you to be where my hope and my faith is placed. And today, money is revealing something to you. And I want you to take an opportunity. I want you to to confess those things in your heart. And ask God to deal with that. I'm going to pray for you. And as I pray for you, I want you to to confess to yourself. Maybe if your spouse is there and you guys know. You guys are looking at each other. You're hearing each other. You guys know. To deal with these things as I pray. Because Jesus has to be first in our life. Jesus said, you cannot, it is impossible to serve God and mammon. You simply cannot do it. You cannot serve both with your heart. So choose this day, and as I pray, Father, I, th- I, I just want to, <coughs> I just want to thank you for what you're revealing in our hearts, for what money reveals in us, Lord, and. and for the opportunity to to just lay aside the concept of the idea of money for a moment and just look at what it's doing to our hearts, how it twists us. How it twists us into hiding your glory or it twists us into perverting our hearts to being prideful and arrogant. Lord, no matter either one of those places is not your best for us. It is not where you have desired for us to be and in that statement, that means that those things are sin to us. So, Lord, we confess that before you. We ask you to forgive us of of allowing a spirit of poverty to rest on our hearts or allowing a spirit of pride to control our behaviors. Forgive us for making money, God. Forgive us for seeking from it what only you give. And help us to guard our hearts and be masters of money, not servants of it. Lord, I pray for every heart, for every person that is here, that over this these next few weeks as we deal with money and how it affects our hearts and how, it, how we live, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to hear your word, that the seeds that are sown here will bring change, that will bring life change to us, God, that will bring the blessed life to us, that we may truly live out that blessing. <coughs> and if you're here today under the sound of my voice, If you're here today and you have never made Jesus Lord of your life, you're like, you're talking to these guys who are already Christians. But I'm here today. I've never made that commitment. And I want to do that today. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. And you just slip up your hand and say, Aaron, will you pray for me? I'm not living the blessed life. And I want Jesus to be Lord of my heart. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. Just slip your hand up. One, two, three. Thank you. We're all going to pray a simple prayer, and we're all going to pray it together. I would like you to pray it out loud so that your own ears can hear it, and everybody prays. There's nobody that should ever pray alone. Say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. I believe that you are the Son of God, who died for my sin and rose that I might have life thank you Jesus for your love if you'll show me how I'll live for you every day we love you Jesus that's simple that's it's that simple folks a simple confession, and you may find yourself down the road of life. You may find yourself next week giving in to these kind of temptations or dealing with these difficulties again or dealing with these thoughts, dealing with these spirits. You may find yourself, but that simple prayer and accepting what Christ did for you sets it right again. and you get to start over, you get to try again, go forward again, and walk in his strength. Since we've already passed the buckets today, there's no reason for me to bring anybody back up and close the service. I'm just going to close here by telling you thank you for having an open heart. I can look across this room and see what a message like this is doing to the hearts of the people here. I can see it on your faces. I half expected i will be honest with you talking about money. Here's how I figured you all would sit. And there's not a single one of you doing that. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that you're willing to have an open heart and listen to what the Bible says about money and to allow that to challenge you and to challenge your life. I promise you that as we dive deeper into this message series, that if you'll listen to it, if you'll pray about it, if you'll seek God, you will see the greatest life change in your life through this series. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here today. Be careful, please. Be careful as you drive home. Lord, I pray safety over everybody that leaves this place today. Get them home safely. Keep them safe through this storm. (coughs) And bless them, God. Let them live the blessed life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have an awesome day.